It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. baby wow right i feel like i'm back in the 60s feel like i'm back in the 50s or 50s even yeah (laughs) wow okay well uh today we thought we'd do something a bit different and if you haven't figured it out yet we're gonna read your letters or some of them anyway some of them anyway we are always reminding you of our email address lifeguard at shallow and as you know we try and read one or two every episode but in the past few weeks there's been a virtual niagara falls of emails that have come in and we thought why don't we just share these stories because they're all shallow end moments and uh and there's so many of them and they're so entertaining plus it's it's a lot less work for us. We got to take the week off in terms of doing research. So thanks for that. Appreciate you doing our jobs. Good night, everybody. No, no, we should probably do a whole show. Yeah, think? probably. Probably okay. so. All probably right. So These people have paid damn good money. Oh, wait. Well, anyway, yeah. we should just do a show. You're lucky you're getting anything for this. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been great parents. And a very cute couple, too, I might add. You're lucky you're getting anything, we would have said. Uh, Would you like me to start? Sure. Why don't you? All right. Right off the top. Hello from Michelle in Cape Town, South Africa. Stumbled across the shallow end and by extension, the box of oddities. I love them equally. I traveled vast distances for work and binged the shallow end from episode one on a recent 1000 kilometer plus trip. It made an otherwise tedious journey thoroughly enjoyable. I'm a frequent visitor to the shallow end as I am stupid. And, <laughs> and I make bad life choices. Well, you know, you're part of the family here. You found the perfect podcast. And this is evident from the story submitted below. I'm sending you this tale of culinary horror, alcohol, minor physical injury, and catastrophic diarrhea. Wow. That's a toxic recipe. It's a dangerous combination, isn't it? I'm sending it by email as my South African accent has proved confusing for many. It's uh, one of the countless unfortunate (laughs) events which make up my daily life. Poor Michelle. Anyone who knows me knows that I love spicy food. Much to the dismay of my gastric ulcer and uh, plumbing systems, <laughs> both porcelain and pelorc. I love that word. I've eaten curries that would kill most humans. With this in mind, I decided to make myself a lovely spicy cheese sauce with which uh, to douse my sweet potato chips or fries, as you call them, on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Interesting. The frozen chips are a dream in the air fryer. Crispy on the outside, soft on the inside. No actual effort required. Perfect. 
On to the cheese sauce. A stunning 18-month mature cheddar would do nicely. But what to add for a hot, spicy kick? Jalapenos? No. Okay. I add those to almost everything and felt like a change of pace. Bird's eye? Hmm. Also no. I use these fairly regularly too. Sounds like she's been building up a resistance. Yeah, <laughs> she chilies. she needs an increasingly hotter, spicier pepper. Always chasing the dragon, aren't you? <laughs> Enter the orange habanero. Measuring between 100,000 to 350,000 on the Scoville scale. They fall just below ghost pepper, which after the Carolina Reaper is arguably the hottest pepper known to man. I didn't even know there was an official scale for rating food. Spicy you didn't know food. that? No, oh, wow. I didn't. With a heat factor comparable to licking the sun, ghost peppers are not to be trifled with. I cut a tiny sliver off the beautiful orange habanero and gave it a little nibble. Definitely spicy and undeniably hot. Hot as balls. I, I felt it would make a fabulous addition to my cheese dipping sauce. Oh, the, dear. The creaminess of the sauce would offset the heat of the chili. At least in theory, I guess. Looks good on paper. Yeah. A spectacular lack of proportion has always been one of my many flaws. <laughs> From wildly overreacting to, well, everything, to pouring gin and tonic. You know, I'm the same way. I have this thing in my head, Linz. If a little's good, a lot's better. I think it was yeah. Steven Tyler who said, from Aerosmith, who said, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Michelle says, I tend to go with my gut and overdo things, and rarely does it end well. And as it happens, it was my gut and organs, both north and south thereof, that pay at a <laughs> terrible price. I think, you know, to chop up one of those things, you need like a hazmat suit anyway. I finally chopped the habanero and added copious amounts of it to my delicious creamy cheese sauce, having adopted the principle that if some is good, more must be better. That would make we sense. Just saying that. I let the sauce rest, allowing it to gently infuse the cheesy deliciousness. Once the chips were ready, I reheated the sauce, dishing up from my afternoon snack and decamping on the sofa for a spot of Netflix and nibbles. Oh, I love this. Netflix and nibbles. Go on. I dipped the first couple of chips into the sauce and popped them into my mouth. Crispy, salty, cheesy and spicy. So far, so good. I shoveled another couple of dipped chips into my mouth, chewed and swallowed. As I went in for round three of dipping and shoveling, the heat hit me. Uh -oh. It was like I had eaten lava. <laughs> Molten, fiery lava. Lava which only could have been conceived in the seventh circle of hell, which, wow. by the way, makes a delicious dipping sauce. Satan knows his snacks. Have you tried the Beelzebub poppers? <laughs> my eyes and my nose exploded with tears and mucus, respectively. I panicked and swallowed. This, as it happens, was an ill-conceived decision on my part. <laughs> it was like I had swallowed actual fire. I felt every nanometer of its journey down my throat and into whatever is situated below that. <laughs> <laughs> After a minute, it felt like my entire body was aflame. Oh, How could grief. anything be so hot? Good grief. Why was there not some manner of biohazard warning on the package? 
I know water has the opposite effect of soothing ingested chili and having no milk in the house. My addled brain, now melting from the heat of the chili from hell, tried to catalog any dairy-based or, at the very least, dairy-adjacent liquid I might have. Great term, dairy-adjacent. Through streaming tears, I located a bottle of (laughs) Bailey's Irish Cream. Oh, no. Oh, Michelle. (laughs) it had cream in the title, and it would just have to do in what was becoming an emergency situation. I managed to remove the cap and took a massive slug. Something in the far recesses of my brain, and possibly the only part that was actually not on fire, tried to work out when I had bought the Baileys and what its recommended shelf life was. It turns out I'd had this bottle much, much longer than that. The fact that it had separated into liquid and some toxic, semi-solid, sludge-like substance was the first clue. The second was the taste. Oh, God. It was what I imagined the remnants of milk in coffee I had left in my car for three months in the summer mixed with alcohol would taste like. (laughs) To say it was one of the most heinous substances I've ever swallowed would be an understatement. It was momentarily worse than the burns from the chili, which were still in full force in effect and showing no signs of abating. Poor Michelle. I was unaware what to do next. I was already crying, sweating, weeing, and panicking. (laughs) Vomiting was imminent, and I had no idea where to go from there. The only course of action was to strip off and put myself in the shower. (laughs) This, I reasoned, would take care of the wee, the vomit, and the overheating. (laughs) I could sit there and weep until the pain went away. Michelle, I've wept in the shower until the pain went away many times. Many, no many shame. times. No, no shame, shame at all. Nope. In fact, a good decision. After an eon, the burn of the habanero began to subside, and I was able to breathe carefully without gagging, choking, or weeing. I cleaned myself up and realized I still had my contact lenses in my eyes. How had they remained there with all the amount of water being expelled from my melting eyeballs was nothing short of a miracle. They needed to come out ASAP. After some digging about, I remembered the cardinal rule of all things chili-related, do not touch your eyes. Oh, no. But I had touched my eyes. Oh, no, no. And not just in passing. I had all eight fingers and one thumb. (laughs) In in both of them, trying to wrangle the ever-shifting contact lenses. The pain (laughs) was like nothing I could have ever imagined and made eating the habanero feel like a picnic with lambs in comparison. (laughs) I've never heard that term, but I love the image of a picnic with lambs. I want a picnic with a lamb. That's a very cat thing to, to want, isn't it? It is. I truly feared that I had lost my sight. In between shrieks, I managed to activate Siri on my phone and asked her to call my darling friend and emergency contact, Kate. Whether from the pain or as a result of my thick South African accent, Siri was unable to find Kite (laughs) in my list of contacts and told me repeatedly. Nor could Siri locate fuck or bastard. (laughs) Or what the fuck is wrong with you? You stupid fucking phone. Oh, God. I I couldn't see to dial. Not for the first time in my life, I thought I would expire right there on the bathroom floor. I would be discovered (laughs) naked 
with the cats having eaten my toes off, my fingers being irrevocably tainted and thus unpalatable to cats by the chili. (laughs) I lay down on the bath mat and awaited the inevitable. (laughs) She just, she was ready to die. She was waiting to die. (laughs) Hours later, my eyes began to feel slightly better and I was able to navigate my way to the medicine cabinet and locate the eye drops my doctor had previously prescribed when I accidentally put my dog's eardrops in my eyes. They helped. (laughs) I thanked every deity I could think of for the relief, stumbled down the passage, cold, naked, and significantly worse for the wear, to my bed, where I lay down and fell into an uneasy sleep. Several hours later, I awoke to an odd feeling in my abdominal area. Half asleep, I snuggled deeper into the comfort of my bed. About 30 seconds later, I was neither half asleep nor snuggling comfortably. Uh I was halfway down the passage with the most debilitating stomach cramp in the history of stomachs and cramps. Oh, Lord. How I made it to the laboratory in time remains a mystery. The seat went up, my bum went down, and what came out cannot be described. (laughs) There are simply no words in any language. I couldn't even cry. I simply didn't have it in me. What with the crying, the snotting, the weeing, and whatever else was happening below in the large intestine, I was literally devoid of pretty much all liquids and (laughs) semi-solids. I sat there for a long time feeling shell-shocked and utterly broken, questioning my life choices, my views on chili and food in general, now horribly warped. Of course. While I would likely survive this, I would never be able to look at a chili again. Of course not. Well, at least not for the foreseeable future. Let this be a life lesson, friends. Be cautious and respectful of habaneros. And if you must engage, do so with caution. Gloves, no contact lenses, and prepare the gastrointestinal horror that will shortly (laughs) follow. Thanks for the awesome show. I look forward to many more episodes of both with warm regards. Michelle, Michelle, you should you should write a book about this. I'm sure it would make a big splash when it came out. I think Michelle should start writing for the show is what I think. As long as we have a bathroom near the, uh, near the writer's room. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Dear God, I, uh, I am impressed with people who can handle spicy food of any kind. I mean, You're not a spicy sounds, food guy, no, guy I'm uh, I'm a real, a real wuss when it comes to, to things like that. I like, a, like a, a maybe a mild salsa. <laughs> That's it. I don't like hot. You're one Just, of those pineapple salsa guys. Yeah, yeah. very, very, uh, very well, second pineapple. grade. It's interesting because pineapple can actually consume flesh given enough time. I remember learning this, I believe, in box in a box yeah, episode. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's right. There was it can actually uh, the the pineapple juice can like strip off your skin. Yeah, it can over time, and and so people who work in pineapple processing plants have to uh, wear protective gear, not just, just gloves, inc- but like a hazmat suit. Again, that's incredible. That's just incredible. It's not just a rumor, it's a fact. Everyone loves them some corn. And for all your corn needs, there's only one place to shop, Corn Warehouse. We've got every kind of corn you can think of. Need corn for a wedding reception? We've got wedding corn. How about a funeral? 
we've got funeral corn. Looking to impress a potential hire at work? We've got business lunch corn by the bucket. Corn for Halloween? We've got corn in 15 shades of orange. We've got corn for every holiday you can think of. Thanksgiving corn, Hanukkah corn, Kwanzaa corn, Festivus corn. If it's corn, we've got it. Special dietary needs? No problem. We've got corn for vegetarians. Trouble chewing food? We've got mushy corn. If you can picture it and it's related to corn, we've got it in stock and ready for pickup. Corn Warehouse does not carry corn nuts because it's technically a nut and not corn. Shucks, we love us some corn. Corn Warehouse, just off Interstate 4 in Orlando. So that email from Michelle in Cape Town, this is from uh, much closer to uh, to our home offices. Uh, this is from a woman named Amy who's in Louisiana. She says, greetings from the edge of the pool. Pineville, Louisiana has its own version of the 11-foot-8 can opener railway bridge. My father was a fireman in Pineville for 32 years. The fire station's less than a mile from the local can opener bridge. The road was lowered to increase clearance, but the clearance remained well under 14 feet. The firemen were usually the first responders to the many accidents at the can opener, but this one stands out. In the mid-1990s, a double-decker cattle truck, oh, good grief, was leaving the local sale barn, also less than a mile from can opener bridge, at the end of the day, just as night began to fall. The truck missed the on-ramp to get to the main highway, so the truck driver took the only other route available, which was underneath the can opener bridge. The whole roof of the second story on the cattle truck was peeled back like a can of sardines, no doubt terrified by the commotion. The cattle inside smelled escape and began pouring out of the cattle car, jumping onto the slope beside the bridge and stampeding onto Main Street to scatter in all directions. Can you imagine that sight? Yes, I can, actually. I'm doing it right now. But it's uh, in the background. It's playing like the theme to Bonanza for some reason. Oh, I like that. I like that. My father was working the night of this event and dispatch started receiving calls right away. He and his co-workers found their fireman training had not prepared them for wrangling cattle. But he, <laughs> he called the sale barn for backup. A few cow hands were soon galloping to the rescue <laughs> across commercial and residential lawns, much to the surprise of local residents. I'm just picturing if you've had like a couple of cocktails and you hear something unusual and you peek through your curtains and you think, how much have I had to drink? Because, honey, I swear <laughs> there are guys on horseback wrangling cattle in our front lawn. I should have checked the expiration date of my Baileys before I drank it. <laughs> Amy says they managed to collect most of the cattle over the course of the night and hold them on the green space of a nearby college campus until temporary cattle panels could be assembled to corral them and a replacement truck could arrive at the scene. I can only imagine the reaction of the college groundskeeper when confronted with the field of trampled landscaping and cow pies the following morning. As for the cattle that were not recovered, I can only assume that they went on to have long and fulfilling lives on the open range. She adds, that's for cat's sake. Bless your heart. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for all you do to keep us informed and entertained. Best wishes, Amy in Louisiana. That's a well, great story, Amy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bizarre image, isn't it? It to, surely to, is. <laughs> it's like you've had you've you've experienced some sort of time slip, and uh, <laughs> sud suddenly it's eighteen seventy. There's cowboys on your front lawn roping up them cattle. Nate sends us uh, an email from my home state of Maine. Hey guys, been with you since episode one. I just realized your intro is a bit shallow end itself. It seems to encourage being in a car with a strong beverage. No, mm, no, no, that's illegal in my home state of Maine. You know, I, I, I remember that. Um, I think it's illegal in most. 
I think it is. I think we we just say pour yourself a strong beverage, but I don't think we say uh, get in a car. Yeah, no, there's there's nothing in the intro uh, that even references an automotive product. That, we would prefer I, you be home on the sofa listening to the giant tube radio next to your sofa. That's how we envision you listening, Nate. Yeah. Anyway, my kids don't fall far from the proverbial tree and aren't the brightest bulbs in the drawer sometimes. A week ago, they wanted to make pickles, so I told them how to do it. They got the <laughs> Stop right there. Of, yes. Have, did you ever, as a kid, JG, say to your mom or dad, Mom, Dad, I want to make pickles. You know, yes. I never did said you? that. My mom forced it on me. Oh, okay. Maybe it's Maybe a the, main thing. I was just going to say, that must be a main thing. Putting up preserves. Um, I remember as a kid, my mom was trying to save money by making homemade root beer. And uh, she put up, I don't know, maybe 10 bottles of root beer, uh, reusing bottles that had screw on caps. Okay. And I, I remember sitting in the living room and she put them in the basement to, you know, to Ferment. age. And I remember sitting in the living room and hearing bottle after bottle exploding against the floor of the, what the, <laughs> the living room. Yeah. They just, they were like little beverage rockets. Beverage rockets. I love that expression. Anyway, Nate says they got the bottle of white vinegar and added some tiny cukes and some of their own magic spices together in a mason jar. Last night, I suggested they try out their pickles to see how they taste. My daughter grabs one and, and then won't let anybody else try them because, quote, they don't taste like pickles yet. <laughs> how could they not after a week in vinegar, I thought, so... I smelled the contents of the jar. It smelled familiar, <laughs> but not like vinegar. So I opened the bottle of white vinegar and smelled that too. Same. It seems that the kids had tried to trick their parents, but had ended up tricking themselves by, you might have guessed it, refilling the white vinegar with water from, in all likelihood, the shallow end of our pool. <laughs> Thanks for reading and keep up the great stories. That's, that's, I think, in the history of this podcast is the first time that the literal shallow end of a pool has been mentioned or used by a by a listener. Kind of come full circle, hasn't it, Lens? That's way cool. Yeah. At least, you know, I, I thought where the story was going to go was that uh, they got the vinegar mixed up with uh, a urine sample that uh, they had collected for their next doctor's trip. Interesting. I was picturing something involving alcohol, like corn squeezins, but... Uh, corn squeezins. But I like yours better. Cukes and corn squeezins. <laughs> On the next Shallow End. You're in the Shallow End with Schnapply and Toth. Boy, JG, we are all over the damn place in terms, of, in terms of the map. We started in Cape Town. We went to Louisiana. We went to Maine. And now, a letter from a listener in Egypt... Is this an international podcast or what? Well, by definition, yes. Yes, it is. Nala, cool name, writes, Hey, JG, Lindsay, Kat, and Nan. Hope you're all well and happy. I've listened to all the box of episodes, box of oddities episodes so far. And now I'm binging the shallow end. I love you guys and listening to you helps me through, well, my life. My name is Nala. Hey, JG, you might remember me since I think I'm the only fan from Egypt Gosh, I really want to meet up with other listeners to your podcasts who are from Egypt. I've tried dragging people I know to listen, but I think they don't know many people who are into podcasts, let alone podcasts in a foreign language. 
Annie Hoosel <laughs> wanted to share a little experience of mine. This is so cool. You've taught a woman in Egypt the expression Annie Hoosel. I feel good about myself. What an educational podcast. It was the summer of 2020. I decided to make a little stop before going home from work. So I parked my car perpendicular to the sidewalk, facing the sidewalk, finished my errand, went back to my car, put the key in the ignition, turned it and nothing. So I tried it again and again. After trying to stop my car another 20 times or so, I gave up. I got out of the car, opened up the hood, took my blazer off, and went to take a look. Now, although my car was a 2013 model, it's been lightly used over the years and well taken care of. I've never had any issues with it. Also note here, I have zero knowledge of car mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) I checked the water and all. Don't ask how that's connected to the issue, but everything seemed fine. Uh Uh-huh. Finally, a gentleman decided to help me. He took a look and said, aha, it's the battery, which was actually pretty new. Another gentleman said, I'll give it a jump. But the car is facing the sidewalk, I said innocently. No problem. I'll push it. You sit and take the wheel to direct it, he said. I got on the seat, took a look at the shifting gear stick. It was on R. Well, it doesn't end there. I think to myself, I'll set it to N. (laughs) So it's easier to push. (laughs) Sure. But because I had no idea that cars do not start when they are on reverse or drive, so (laughs) it still didn't click. I put it in. I put it on N. The poor gentleman pushed the car and I turned the wheel to face his car. He grabbed the cable thingy and asked me what my name was. I answered and he said, Nala, listen to me. Under no circumstances are you to turn the ignition key until I tell you so. So, of course, like the true Egyptian woman that I am, I immediately turned the ignition key. (laughs) No one was hurt. He hadn't come close to my car yet. Don't worry. I just thought I'd give it a last try before he jumped my car. And guess what? The car started. Well, it doesn't end there. I know it's too long of a story, but bear with me. After looking at each other in silence and awe for a few seconds, the guy said, what did you do? Nothing. I just tried to start it and it started. Like that, he said. Yeah, I don't think my car's crazy. Wouldn't surprise me if she was, but she's mine after all, poor thing. (laughs) Okay, he repeats. Listen to me, Nala. Under no circumstances should you turn your ignition off until you're home and then check on it. So I turned on the, what's the name, emergency lights, and I drove the speed of 40 kilometers per hour on an 80 kilometer per hour road, and I was freaking out. I went to his shop, demanded a new battery. The guy checked my battery and refused to change it, saying it was new and just fine. He was sweet and gave me his number and said I should call him if I had any more trouble. Well, I go home, start telling my husband the whole thing, and then I reach the part where smart-ass me decided to change the gear stick from R to N. He literally (laughs) stared at me until I finished the whole story and then said, Nala, back up a little bit. You changed the gear stick from what? I answered R to N. Husband's still staring. Say that again? I repeat, R to N. What's wrong? He says, asking sincerely, are you for real or are you joking? (laughs) For real. Why? I answered sincerely. He grabbed his phone and called every single one of his friends and spent the next three days laughing nonstop. The end. Sincerely, (laughs) Nala from Egypt. Always great to hear from you, Nala. Especially people from other countries. Well, actually, now JG and Kat are in another country, so half of this podcast is already international. That's a good way to look at it. 
This email comes from Jeff. Hey, hey guys, I thought I'd share something stupid you might get a chuckle out of. I was 16, working at Subway, manning the veggies on the line. Good to man the veggies. A customer gets his sandwich started, and then it comes to me down the line. I ask the customer what he'd like on his sandwich, and he proceeds to tell me the usual. Lettuce, tomato, onion, yada, yada, and a healthy amount of mayo. So... I then put the veggies on his sandwich, grab the mayo bottle, and run the thinnest line of mayo across the sandwich. He looks at me sort of confused and shocked and said, uh, a little more mayo, please. So I think, okay, I give him another thin line of mayo across his sandwich. <laughs> I then look up and see his face is red and he's very annoyed. A lot of mayo. I want a lot of mayo. <laughs> me. But sir... That's not healthy. Oh, I never thought of this. <laughs> Little did I know that a healthy amount was an expression people use to mean a lot. Needless to say, <laughs> I have never heard that expression before. He left extremely pissed off. Thanks for the good content and the laughs. Keep up the good work, Jeff, from Minnesota. Uh, Skull Vikes. All right, Jeff. Thank you for that shout out. That's funny. I had never ever thought about that expression, a healthy amount being interpreted as a doctor's version of healthy. No, me neither. When you say a healthy amount, you mean a lot. That's at exactly. least in my world, yeah. growing, growing up in Maine, that was a common thing. That was a common saying. Another common saying was uh, when something was damaged, like if you damaged your car, uh, you describe it this way. Oh, my car, she's all stove up. Stove up? Yep, she's all stove up, that car. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. What the hell? She's all stove up, bub. That's a main thing. It's I a main guess. thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. She's all stove up. I love that. Also, we don't have front yards. In mm -hmm. uh, in Maine, we have door yards. They're door yards. They call them door yards. Is that because they're the yard that faces the front door? It's because it goes back to farming days when you had a farmhouse and a barn and the area between it, there were, there's a door here and a door there. That was the door yard, wow. the door, the yard between the door to the barn and the door to the house. Now, going back to stove up, could you use that for something other than cars? Like if your, if your computer was all messed up, could you oh, take yeah. it into a PC sure. shop and say, yep. my, my computer's all, sto <laughs> all stove up, bub? Yep. And they'll <laughs> fix it for you. <laughs> oh, they'll fix it right up. I love that stove up. All stove up, bub. <laughs> Thank you for all the emails. We uh, we really oh, enjoy reading them. And, truly uh, appreciate them. And the fact that they're coming from all over all over the world, in addition <laughs> to Louisiana and Minnesota, is just right. even cooler. It is. It's very cool. And, Lifeguard uh, at shallowendpodcast.com. We encourage you to continue writing. And uh, even though we might not read your email on the air, trust us, we read absolutely every single one. We do. And we will make this a regular feature since there are so many emails coming in now. It uh, makes it feasible to do. So we'll have a special uh, listener's email edition of The Shallow End semi-regularly. Yeah. 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 Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. It sounds like a lot of you aren't making good choices, but maybe you could start <laughs> making good choices. Although we do prefer anything that makes for a, a good story. That's true. 
Make good choices. That's our recommendation. Your life and your email might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.